Excuse me. Pardon me. Sorry. Hello, and welcome to... Can you be quiet, please? Sure, yeah. Sorry. Hi, and welcome to... Somebody doing that security. I'm trying to introduce a brand new film podcast from RT Jr. Do you have COVID? Can't you do that outside the screen? Uh, well, I suppose I could. Oh, excuse me. Excuse me. Uh-huh. Oh, holy Mary, Mother Lady! Ah! Can somebody call an ambulance? Welcome... Movies are magic. I'm okay. Seriously, just a few bumps and scrapes. Now, much easier to introduce the show outside of cinema. Movies are magic is RT Jr.'s new podcast that's here to talk all things film. I'm Nikki Coughlin, and over the next 10 episodes, we're going to talk to kids, filmmakers, and film watchers about all the reasons they think movies are magic. Because they are. Movies can transport you from Antarctica to Transylvania. In a single cut, you can flick from a cartoon floating a house on balloons. Well, I gotta help you cross something. Uh, no, I'm doing fine. To a desperate race for true love in a second, using your remote control. Where am I? The pit of despair. Don't even think. <coughs> you can race across time. There we are, madam. Congratulations. Thank well you. done. Jolly good. See what it's like to be an adult. What are you? It's me, Mom. You're not my mother. Get away, you clone freak! Or zoom into space. Movies are magic because they transport us out of our lives for a few hours and let us see the world through another person's eyes. At least for a while. And during lockdown, we've needed them more than ever. Movies are magic because, like, they're stuff that wouldn't happen in real life, but they're not over dramatic either. So they're in the middle of, like, something that wouldn't happen to you, but something that could happen to someone. Movies are magic because they let you use your imagination. My brother likes Star Wars, and the actor of Princess Leia passed away, but they were still able to make movies with her by using old footage of her. All the edits and all the time that people put to work in them, it just makes them so real and alive. Yeah, it's very interesting, very magical. We all have a film that grabbed us totally. Movies you've watched once but never forgotten. I'm looking at you, Bambi. Or ones you've watched over and over again. What is this, Lunker? Some kind of fun house? Why, having fun? Films that make you zip back to the beginning straight away or hunt down everything else the filmmaker ever made. The film I've watched more than anything else is Big Hero 6. It's about this guy and his brother made a robot, but then his brother died in the fire, so he gave his robot armor, and then he attacks this guy who lit the fire. I love it. When I was younger, Frozen, because like it was really, really popular, we downloaded it and we'd like just watch it and watch it and watch it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. I identified most with Olaf. There's one film that, when I think about films that I remember most, it's called Benji. It's about this dog. His parents and his brothers and sisters get taken away to the pound and he's left all by himself. 
and this girl and his brother and her brother find him and they take him home but they keep it as a secret from their mum. I don't know why I like films that are sad, but I like films that are sad and films that are funny, but nothing in between. I kind of like to feel happy and satisfied watching a film. I just get to waste my time. Sometimes I feel happy because I like the film and sad because I've finished. That was Gabriel, Alice, Salome and Saif all proving the point that movies grab us and when they do, they don't want to let go. It's a lot harder to get to the cinema in 2020. But luckily, with Netflix, Disney Plus and a whole host of other streaming services, we've never been better served in finding great films to watch at home. But having this much choice can actually make it tricky to decide. Nikki, what do you want for your dinner? There are 9,000 items on the menu. Choose now! Um, I, I don't know, can I just have... Choose! Uh, okay, can I just have pizza? Boring! It's easy to look for films you already know, but how many of you scroll through Netflix just thinking, What's that? What's this? That looks too kiddy. Too long. Not for me. Next. Hi, love. Why don't you just put on Sound of Music again? No! Wouldn't it be great if there was a, an easy way to discover a bunch of films you didn't even know? Hi, I'm Shah, and I love films, and my job is picking films for you to see in the Lighthouse Cinema in Dublin and Palos in Galway. And one of my favourite things that I've ever done is a season of films called Films You'd Love Your Kids to See. So each week on this show, I'm going to bring you a film that I think you should check out. Check this movie out. This week's film is Hairspray. Hey there, teenage Baltimore! Don't change that channel, because it's time for the Corny Collins Show! Brought to you by Ultra Clutch Hairspray. Hairspray came out in 2007, and it was based on a film that came out in 1988, directed by John Waters, but this is the musical version of that film. The John Waters original film, uh, while it's not a musical, it's very much a music film, so I guess in the 80s there was a lot of what you'd call dance films. He's the new kid in town, and the music's on his side. Let's dance! Which were films that were about dance, so there's lots of music in them, but they're not necessarily musicals. And that was turned into a Broadway stage show, and that had lots of brand new songs written for it. So then in 2007, they turned it into a movie. The film is about a girl called Tracy, and she loves dance. That's her favourite thing in the world, and she's obsessed with the Corny Collins show. It's set in the 1960s, and she wants to be a dancer, but people are telling her that she's too overweight to be a dancer. But she goes and auditions and makes a name for herself. Hey, Mama, hey, Mama, have some fun. I haven't left this house since 1951. Hey, Mama, hey, Mama, take a chance. Oh, Tracy, it's been years since someone asked me to dance. The other part of the film that's really, really interesting is that it's a time in America's history where black people weren't allowed to dance on television with white people. So a lot of it is about staying true to yourself and not being afraid to go after things even if you've people are telling you you're overweight or that you're not allowed to do certain things, you do them anyway because you love them. John Travolta plays Tracy's mother. We'll have your father meet with him. I, I don't want to be seen like this. So traditionally, because in the 1988 film, Tracy's mother was played by a drag queen called Divine. So when they were recasting, they went to someone who's really good at dancing, really good at singing and maybe could play a woman. But nobody, everyone was a little bit surprised to hear John Travolta in this role. But he's really, really good at it. Zac Efron pops up in this film. It was fresh off his uh, years in High School Musical. It was probably his like 
first role outside of that that people would have seen. The lead character, Tracy, is played by Nikki Blonsky, who auditioned and she didn't have an awful lot of experience or anything. So there was thousands and thousands of girls going for this role and she won it. And she's absolutely brilliant. And in the original, uh, it was played by Ricky Lake, who then went on to become like really famous TV um, host. On today's show, they're going to confront that friend of theirs and tell them, you might think you're hot, but girlfriend, you're not. This film is probably for people who like musicals. If you don't like musicals, you could always check out the 1988 one because there's less songs. But I think it's for probably 8 to 15 year olds more so. I mean, if you love songs, you'll definitely like it, even if you're a little bit younger and maybe some of the themes might go a little bit over your head. But certainly you can watch it with your little sister and I think she'll be pleased with it. It shares a lot of themes with something like Frozen and obviously music is key to that so I definitely feel like there's a lot going on in Hairspray about how you treat yourself how you think about yourself how you think about other people and I think Hairspray is really it's really strong in that regard and I would compare it to Frozen and actually even more so Frozen 2 in about like opening up the world to yourself whether whether you're scared or not But I found a staircase that leads exactly where you wanted to go <laughs> Thank goodness Catch <laughs> Thanks. That was like a crazy trust exercise. It's a really fun film, obviously, but it is set in a different time, at a time that we don't necessarily know about when we're growing up. In the 1960s, there was segregation. White people and black people weren't allowed to do certain things in certain places. So like black people weren't, they had to sit at the back of the bus and they would have often gone to like different schools. And that's not very long ago. It was the 1960s. Like, you know, it's not that long ago. It's certainly your grandparents' lifetime. So it's important with everything that we talk about today to be educated on the recent history that has just gone past. So the things that we hear about today around racism, to have some context for that in quite recent times. I definitely don't think this is something that isolates boys. There's lots of male characters in it and there's a lot of humour in it and it's quite a disrespectful humour. There's a lot of messing. And I think that because there's so much humour in it and it doesn't lean too heavily on the dance or the music, all the songs are like comic and fun and big, huge productions. So I think there's loads in it for everybody. Three words. Big, fun musical. Your mum and dad might have had this on video or a DVD, but uh, you can watch it on Netflix and it's on Amazon and Apple as well. All the films shall recommend you are entirely appropriate and you should have no problem watching with the whole family. But sometimes kids just find films they love, despite all that. Scary films. Hi, I'm Maggie. I'm six. I've been interviewed on Portion. My favourite film is Jaws. I watched it when I was five. And mom and dad have two kids and they live beside the beach. But the real first is uh, where this girl is at um, a place in America and she goes on an island with lots of people and she goes swimming. And then the dessert, um, um, she goes real deep and then um, she gets eaten by the shark. I like Jaws because they're my favourite animals, sharks are. My favourite kind of tin is the sea and there's lots of cool sea creatures in it. And I saw one today. I saw some fishes and urchins. And I also saw this weird tin walking on four legs and it was trying to eat the little fishes. It was tinier and it looked like the lobster, kind of, and a shrimp mixed together. And I never watched number two, though. Are you scared of sharks? Well, then you shouldn't watch it. Morning. 
all parents should watch Jaws before even thinking of putting it on for any child, five or otherwise. <laughs> Every movie ends with a long scrolling list of names. We don't all watch the end credits of films, but sometimes we do. Alice is no different. Well, when I look at the end of the credits, I often am interested in seeing how all of the roles just, they all just intrigue me in different ways because I look at the names. I just love looking at like how many different people are involved just in one part of the film and then you go on to see just so much more and how much effort it actually goes to put in. Most of them I sit to the end, especially in Marvel films because they often have a bit at the end where you, it really is part of the story. So when everybody else is gone, I'm just there like, oh, where's the next bit? There's another bit coming. Anyone who sits through to the end for whatever reason will know that credits go on for a long time. It seems like it takes a crew as big as a village to get a movie made. But who knows what half those jobs actually are? I do. Shut up, Jerry. Each week on Movies or Magic, we're going to introduce someone who's been on those end credits. A film worker who can shine more of a light on those crazy job titles on the screen. And let you know what they do. And we're diving in with something... Dangerous. Hi, I'm Philippe Zone. I'm a stunt coordinator, a stuntman. For the past 35 years, worked around the world, in Ireland and abroad. A stuntman is basically a chap that sells his body to the industry for the pleasure of others. Some people have got an ability to create actions and others have got the ability to perform those actions. The person that creates the action is the stunt coordinator. The person that performs the action is the stuntman. Stunt coordinator is all he's doing is interpreting what the director wants to his stunt performers and they start performing it. There's numerous stunts that I've done. Stunts such as fire burns, car crashes, high falls, fight sequences, knockdowns, motorbike crashes. It's a variation of things. Coming in from a horse background, that enabled me to learn how to fall off high objects, moving objects, and an animal which has got a brain of its own. That's what makes you do what you do if you've got the guts to do it. I have a 14-year-old. He doesn't want to become a stuntman. He's seen what I've done. He's seen the injuries that I've had over the years. I've had numerous injuries, from broken leg, shoulder injuries, to hand injuries. He's also realised that in the industry of today, what we create is not always what you see on the screen, i.e. CGI has taken over a huge amount of what we do. It's an embellishment to what we do in certain aspects, same as what the special effects boys do. What they do is amazing. Without them as stunt performers, it's also very difficult to create what we do. The CGI is actually taking over what we call a true stuntman, i.e. a person that has been throwing his body around the place. Now it's all done on wires, green screen, blue screens. We have to be physically fit. We have to be agile. A stunt performer is pretty much an all-round sportsman. Fireburns, they are highly impressive. On screen, people think, oh, it's not really realistic because of CGI. Bring it out into the public in live shows, there the reality strikes. You're wearing numerous layers of highly protective fireproofing clothing. You're using special gels, which also are fire retardant gels, the clothes that you have actually over the top of you. The special effects boys will have sprayed a fire retardant, which slows the process of the, the fabric burning. Then on top of that, we add an accelerant, which is basically a product that we set fire to. All you have to do is get in the clothing, put the outer layers on, put the fire 
product onto you and hope for the best when it's set to life. The best thing about that is you have an incredible team around you. Without that team around you, you as an individual would never be able to do that type of stunt. At the end of the day, it is who you have around you that creates what you are actually trying to do. I had an experience with Film Effects doing a huge stunt for a film called Rain of Fire where they fired 500 litres of liquid propane at me. That hits you at minus 49 degrees and then expands in heat value around about 2,500 to 3,000 degrees. You aren't expecting the cold, you aren't expecting the heat that develops. That particular stunt is pretty much 5 to 10 seconds of a burn, whereas a normal fire burn, you can have a variation of 10 seconds to 25 seconds to 35 seconds, which in normal terms doesn't seem a lot, but when you're in those conditions, it is incredibly long. Now you have to control your heart rate, you have to try and control your brain from shouting, I've got to get the hell out of here. That's why I say it's very difficult to explain what the feeling is like. As a stunt performer, you will never say no to a stunt. You will always try to find a way to create the stunt in the safest manner for the director. Nine times out of ten, if you turn around and say, I'm not doing that stunt, I refuse categorically to do that stunt, that might be the last job you ever do. But there is one particular stunt that I was glad that I didn't have to do a second time, and that was driving a car off an 11-metre bridge into a lake. And sinking the car, and being in the car, knowing the consequences, when I had done the stunt and everything went 100%, that was one of the first times... I could literally say I had absolutely no feeling whatsoever for that particular stunt. On screen, it was fantastic. It was filmed brilliantly by the crew that was there, and it wasn't only down to me. It was down to a serious crew of people that I had around me. As I always say, a stunt performer is not a stunt performer without the crew around him. As a coordinator, you have to have a creative mind. You have to be able to read a script, see what the script is trying to provide in terms of the action, You have to be able to listen to the director, accept what the director is saying, come up with an idea that embellishes what the action is going to be on screen. As a stunt performer, you don't know how to perform a stunt until you actually put in the deep end to do it. That's when your brain starts working. But in realistic terms, a stunt performer has to be somebody as well that has to be able to listen and understand what the coordinator is asking and also give his input. I will never turn around to a stunt performer if he turned around to me and says, well, Philippe, I don't feel that stunt. Fair enough, you don't feel it, move on. There's somebody else that can help you out to do it, or we find a solution to do it. As they literally say, what you see on screen, do not try and perform it at home. I turn around and say, what you see on screen, leave it on screen. Yeah, I'm not stuck, man, but I'm really good at karate. We've talked a lot about watching films, but what if you actually wanted to start making some? Get off the couch and go from being someone who just sits to being someone who actually makes them. Hi, I'm Sean Tracy. I'm 15 years old and I am a filmmaker. Last year at the Fresh Film Festival, I won the overall prize for Ireland's Young Filmmaker of the Year. And that has really just given me so much opportunities in this world of filmmaking. So every week here on this podcast, I'm going to be giving some tips so that you too can become a filmmaker. Why just watch films when you can also create them? So why make a film? 
Now, ideas are very funny things. They can range from absolutely everything to also absolutely everything. For example, you could be thinking to yourself, what if I were a goldfish for a day? Or you could be thinking, should I grow a ponytail? You know, there are so many crazy, crazy ideas and definitely not all of them are creative. Not all of them can be turned into stories or films. But let's say this idea comes into your head. Space vampire. What would that be? Would that be novels? Would that be, I don't know, a painting, a drawing? What could it be? For me, it would certainly be a film. So, why make a film? I ask myself this question a lot, and here is my answer. I only know why I make films when I make films. There are some kind of slow, maybe mundane aspects of filmmaking, but when I'm writing, filming, or even editing films, the purpose behind my work is always clear to me. I can really feel the value of what I am creating, and that is a very special feeling for me. It is basically just a love of telling stories and coming up with ideas has always been super fun for me, but you know what really clicks with me? It's the execution of those ideas. It is turning those ideas into films. Now at first, when a great idea comes to you, it can be such an exciting feeling, but unfortunately sometimes when you turn that into a script, it is no longer as exciting. But as I mentioned, sometimes, because other times you can get this amazing idea, turn it into a script, and then all of a sudden be even more excited about the idea once you've written that script. It is simply this urge to create a project that will see your film through. Don't worry if your film hasn't got any particular purpose with regards to impacting individuals or societies or changing the world. Sometimes filmmakers just make films because they want to. And if you stick to that, if you stick to making films only because you simply want to make them, then you can be sure that your love for filmmaking will never die out. So let's try it. This week, I challenge you to think. If you could make any film, what type of film would that be? Let us know. Thanks, John. If you do have an idea for a film that you'd like to share with us, simply email junior at rt.ie and let us know what you're planning. Over the next 10 weeks, we can build that film together. Why not make In each episode of Movies or Magic, we like to make a recommendation for something you could watch or do for the week. And this week is no different. I'm Claire Shaw and I'm with Cinemagic Film and Television Festival for Young People. Cinemagic is a children and young people's film festival. Um, we're a registered charity and our aim really is to inspire and motivate young people through film. So it's a twofold approach really in relation to viewing film and watching films from all over the world and giving that access to films that maybe wouldn't be on general release yet. But then the other side of the coin is that we are about inspiring and motivating young people to actually make films um, to develop develop their skills to nurture talent that is out there already and really to give young people an insight to the film and television discipline. Chris Shaw is our Cinemagic Festival programmer and he has been working tirelessly over the last six or seven months to put together an online film program for Cinemagic this year. So we will have our own streaming platform, which is an industry standard platform available through cinemagic.org.uk. And over the course of the four weeks of October, starting this weekend, we are going to present 23 feature films for young people aged four to 25, obviously different films, 
certificates for different age groups, but really uh, we're going to provide like a unique window to the world and introduce world cinema to young people of all ages. We've got lots of brilliant dramas, we've got foreign language films, and we've a whole showcase of films made by young people themselves. And the Cinemagic program will provide brand new films that haven't been released really anywhere over the world yet. Every year, the Cinemagic Festival recruits a panel of young judges. So we are looking for eight to 25 year olds. We have a selection of films each week of the festival that they will get to watch and review. And really we wanna hear what they think of the movies. They are our official jury panel. So just like Cannes Film Festival has you know, a VIP jury panel, we wanna hear from Irish film enthusiasts, young people who just wanna talk about movies, who are passionate about movies and give their opinions. Each week of the festival, there'll be a movie that lands in their inbox as such. They'll have seven days to watch that movie and then we'll have a Zoom discussion at the end to get feedback and to get everyone really to vote on their favourite film and help decide then the winning films of the festival in a number of different categories. So as well as consuming the films and, and watching the movies, it's just a great way for kids to interact online, to discuss film. Kids can get involved by email juries at cinemagic.org.uk all you have to do is sign a little registration form and it's 10 pounds or 10 euros to be part of it and you get to see between four and six movies over the course of the month of October and then you also get access to a lot of our virtual Q&A's and virtual talks it's like you know a membership pack for the month of October thanks Claire we'll check back in with Cinemagic in a few weeks time if you want to get involved, it's cinemagic.org.uk. When you're a kid, you can sometimes feel like the movies served up to you were devised by a bunch of adults sitting around a table trying to work out what they think children would like to see made. And you'd be right. Guys, what do kids like? Um, sweet? Ponies? World peace? Uh, not broccoli? Well, imagine you had a limitless budget. All the money in the world just for you to make a film that doesn't even exist definitely should. Hello, I'm Sophia and I'm 10 years old. If I was to make a film, I would call it Unicorns vs. Pugs. And they would have a war. The unicorns would be hoarding potatoes and the pugs would be hoarding cheese. <laughs> and they would have, be having a war over it. That makes so much sense in my head. This film will be set in a land far away that doesn't actually exist, but it's just in my head. The trees are candy floss, and the clouds are also candy floss. The main pug will be called Pugsley, and he'll be the leader of the pugs. He's strong and brave and really loves potatoes, so he's very good at hoarding the potatoes. The lead unicorn will be called Rainbow. No, Sparkles, Sparkles. And he, he is able to have constant diarrhea of yeah, rainbows. That's her um, unicorn magic powers. <laughs> the unicorns are the baddies and the pugs are the goodies. I think it would be animated. This film is for people who like crazy stuff and don't mind laughing so much that they might break themselves. <laughs> Sophia. I'm in the queue for that day one. Well, I think we did okay for our first episode. Now, it's time to crack out the popcorn and think about the films you might watch this week. 
If you want to get involved, email junior at rte.ie. Say you want to pitch your film idea, suggest a movie others should check out, or just scream from the rooftops why you think movies are magic. Get in touch. Now, I better get back to what I was doing before I began. Sorting out this precariously stacked DVD collection. Should I go alphabetical or genre? Send help. 